This week, in the parish of bourses and market structure, ICE deliver excellent results and returns to the topic of the much-needed grand bargain to make US equity trading great again. Alas, in a bumper week of results, the one-time dominant dollar silo, the CME, is foundering as the parish prospers. Meanwhile, NASDAQ CEOs discuss the exchange on its 50th birthday. There's another eye on purchase, fascinating new Brexit financial legal tome, and much, much more as US stock exchanges get litigious with the SEC. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, Episode 81. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. And what a bumper week it was. All of the analysis of the week's many events and happenings can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, The Unique Guide to the Bourse Business, sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. And let's begin with a birthday celebration. Happy 50th birthday to NASDAQ. As Adina Friedman noted in an interview with Fortune, part of our sales pitch is that our own exchanges are using these technologies right now, and they work. Hearty congratulations to everybody at NASDAQ, past and present, on a great milestone for the once bulletin board, now full-scale exchange and global technology enterprise. It was fun and fascinating as the NASDAQ CEOs recalled their 50 years of innovation in a heartwarming panel discussing with the current incumbent, Adina Friedman, how Nasdaq became such a global powerhouse from an early bulletin board as part of the National Association of Stock Dealers of the United States of America. Elsewhere, Nasdaq, NYSE and SIBO, they've joined together to sue the US regulator, the SEC, to block the attempts at a rather reactionary market data overhaul in favour of the banks. Elsewhere, New York Stock Exchange's chief, Stacey Cunningham, she's warning that the New York Stock Exchange, the very epicenter of Wall Street in the modern day, of course, may be exiting New York if a local stock transfer tax is imposed. Over in London, bit of good news post-Brexit. Swiss shares are trading in the UK capital once again as Brexit Britain gets together with the Swiss Financial Centre, that other powerhouse financial centre which is outside of the European Union's ambit within the continent of Europe. In results this week, it was not just a busy week, it was a frantic week for results. All the deals were in Exchange Invest daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, we're just going to pick a couple of edited highlights. The Intercontinental Exchange, they topped their estimates. They announced a 10% increase to their quarterly dividend. The numbers were spectacular altogether. And indeed, as ever, the earnings call gave way to a fascinating lecture and discussion from the ICE management. Here's a zinger of a thought from Jeff Sprecher. Let me just bridge to a wider point. We live in a society today where many of the platforms that we interact with, you have to ask yourself, am I actually their customer? They're providing a service to me, but am I actually the customer? Because 
Is the customer the person who's buying the data off of that platform? Or is the customer the person that's giving up the data in exchange for free usage? And we're seeing a lot of examples, Jeff Sprecher goes on, right now in our society of people that believe that these free services are, that they are actually customers. And in reality, they're not providing any revenue to them. The revenue is coming from a different source. Think about that one, ladies and gentlemen. Feel free to take your time. Elsewhere, the CME, they managed to raise their dividend by 6%. Pumping up the volume, they failed. Pumping up the profit, well, it wasn't anticipated at that point in time, and subsequently, as we'll see, it was an incredibly disappointing quarter. Rather, the CME opted to pump up the dividend. I suppose it's a mission accomplished to keep the creaking, lazy, oligopoly continuation rent-seeker strategy trundling along in the best interests of, well, one might say folks on the payroll. Comparing that with the ice where profits go up and dividends go up hand in hand, this was not a great month for hashtag Sustainable Business 101 according to the CME model. CME's quarterly profits fell. CME's fourth quarter and full year results were disappointing. In fact, in Exchange Invest, we referred to them as what a travesty. Once upon a time, Long, long ago, in a distant galaxy of technological markets, I called out CBOT and noted if they didn't get their act together, the Chicago Board of Trade would likely close or be acquired. Cue apoplexy. And perhaps, partially, thanks to that notorious Irish forgiveness gene prevalence in many of my peeps, whose ancestors have populated the Board of Trade, that's something I still have not been forgiven for in many quarters in Chicago. Anyway, this week's results were spun as ever with vigor by the CME's press department, but they demonstrate a stunning piece of reality. The world's once mega-dominant dollar monopoly silo is in huge difficulties. I've said it again and again, milking a monopoly is a very dangerous strategy. Flaccidity creeps in, and before you know it, those taken-for-granted contracts seep to the businesses who value their customers. Some have said I ought to be fairer on what amounted to a not very ambitious strategy, as it ought not to be overly risky. Well, here's the rub. Energy company boards the world over are wary of their hedging happening anywhere near the company which induced the Cushing crisis through failing to tend to their contract specifications. I don't know why, but in a boom, grains are essentially flatlining on the Chicago Mark II. Now we see a set of results where, when everybody else can make higher profits, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange Group is ominously close to free fall. I believe a CME tipping point is approaching. Everybody else is making hay. Deutsche Börse, Toronto, Montreal Exchange, even the Australian Stock Exchange were demonstrating good results this week. They're still a long way behind the market leaders, which included, in terms of profits, Euronext, ICE and NASDAQ. But they're all powering forward. The CME status quo won't do. A new revolution is overdue to cleanse the CME of its old guard. I was honoured to help CME when they moved electronic all those years ago and were a trailblazer in the parish. I sincerely hope they can regain that mojo. And of course, I will be delighted in praising what ought to be a great tale of free market success once again. Rather, what we end up with this week is, curiously, and perhaps for the first time in exchange history, The Intercontinental Exchange, slightly smaller, a few billion or so in the mid-$60 billion marker, here's the fascinating thing. CME's PE after the travesty of this week and a collapse in the stock price is still sitting at 31 times price earnings. ICE is sitting under 30 times price earnings. That's the first time in history where we've seen the, in inverted commas, upstart, comma, inverted commas, challenger 
Intercontinental Exchange trading at a lower multiple than the Chicago Mercantile Exchange Group. Elsewhere, we got a series of very good results, although disappointingly, the CBOE were lagging estimates. All the numbers were in Exchange Invest this week. And moreover, so too was all the details of all the deals. Let's just cherry-pick some highlights. The Hong Kong Exchange became the first overseas buyer into a regulated Chinese futures exchange with a stake in the Guangzhou Bourse. They paid 210 million yuan, that's $32.45 million, for a 7% stake, which values the Guangzhou Exchange as the largest startup exchange in the Exchange Invest database, given a post-money valuation of $464 million, almost 10 times the previous highest startup market we have recorded. Ping An Insurance will be the largest shareholder, with 15% of the company. As I say, huge numbers of deals going on elsewhere during the course of the week. They were all in Exchange Invest. If you want to, drop by exchangeinvest.com for more details of that marketplace and the bourse business as a whole. Meanwhile, don't forget to catch up with our weekly live stream. That is the IPO-vid live stream. You can catch the recordings at YouTube, IPO-vid. And this week, we were delighted to have Lee Hodgkinson of OSTC discussing the future of careers for traders and also diversity in financial markets. Coming this week on Tuesday, we've got the magnificent Barnabas Reynolds looking at the Brexit opportunities for the UK in the financial world. Product news this week. Delighted to see Mark Makepeace, who, of course, was a guest on the IPOVID livestream just a few weeks back. He's taken over the reins of Wilshire, the index provider, and they announced, as it were, they're getting the gang together again. The man who formerly ran FTSE, the founding CEO of FTSE, in fact, he's got the Financial Times collaborating with Wilshire Indices to create innovative indices, analytics, and data sets for investors. Elsewhere, still in London, the London Stock Exchange is seeing the first trade in cannabis shares. And indeed, as I noted on the IPO vid livestream this week, given that London Stock Exchange Group just bought Refinitiv, the old Reuters financial business, doubtless LSE need low latency access to as much ganja as they can get. One slight move in the opposite direction due to Brexit, as expected, the Intercontinental Exchange's European Union Emission Alliance contracts are moving to ICE Index in the Netherlands. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com, with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or, if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome, wherever you find this podcast. Technology news this week. First of all, the multi-commodity exchange. They're in the process of, for the first time, ditching their incumbent supplier, 63 Moons. Formerly Financial Technologies, of course, as they were known before the NSEL crisis. They have chosen the Indian integrator, TCS, as their new technology partner. Bit of a shock there to the London Stock Exchange Group's Millennium, who'd put in a very strong bid. And indeed, this was, as we mentioned in a previous podcast, a unique bidding situation because the tech powerhouse giant of the parish, Nasdaq, was not one of the bidders. Elsewhere, Dash Financial Technologies, the options order routing specialist, they are being acquired by the bond powerhouse, in technology at least, Ion Investment Group. 
Exbury and Digital Asset, they've teamed up with Bay Markets. They're going to therefore add a one-stop shop for all digital assets trading, clearing, and settlement. Using the stack with Exbury Execution, Bay Markets Clearing, and Digital Asset Settlement Components. Indeed, watch this space. IPOVid will be hosting a live stream to discuss this exciting partnership next month. Regulation? As I mentioned earlier, Barney Reynolds, he's going to be the guest on the next IPOVid live stream. He has published an excellent article discussing how the UK must renounce the damaging legacy of UK law. Politea, the think tank's new proposals, show how the city and the UK economy will benefit from a return to the common law tradition of the United Kingdom. European Union legacy law stifles growth and innovation and therefore must leave the UK canon of law. Restoring that UK common law tradition will help business to innovate. In that respect, we're looking forward to a bumper series of questions in a very exciting IPO vid live stream coming up this coming Tuesday. And one legal case finally closes. SEBI have fined the National Stock Exchange of India, as well as former NSE chief executives Chitra Ram Krishna and Ravi Narain in the long-standing co-location case. $35,000 fines each to the former CEOs and a $137,000 fine to the stock exchange itself over this co-location farrago. More significantly, the National Stock Exchange appeared to be still on the naughty step with SEBI. A remarkable fall from grace by the one-time SEBI-inspired poster child of Indian digital market modernity who were created to take on the antiquated BSE. That, of course, leaves shareholders in flux. Still no news on when, finally, we might see an initial public offering for the National Stock Exchange of India's shares. Career news this week. Again, so many bumper stories. And as I say, they were all covered in greater pith in the Exchange Invest Daily Newsletter. The Hong Kong Exchanges Group, they have announced the chief executive they would like to replace the astounding and outgoing Charles Lee. They've chosen an Argentine, Nicolas Gucho Aguzin, who's formerly the chief executive officer of JP Morgan International Private Bank and had previously been based in Hong Kong as the CEO of Hong Kong Exchanges. I don't believe too many parishioners have ever heard of Mr. Aguzin, so we're not adding any colour at this point, but we heartily congratulate him on becoming the first foreigner to lead the Hong Kong Exchanges Group. Indeed, the first foreigner to lead any Hong Kong stock exchange. Parishioners will recall that, of course, the late, great Ivers Riley was the chief executive officer of the Hong Kong Futures Exchange. The clear first conclusion, while there's news that, of course, Mr. Aguzin is apparently going to be concentrating on product expansion and diversifying revenue for the Hong Kong Exchanges Group, one draws a clear conclusion the Tiger Chairman Laura Cha is now going to have Sino-Hong Kong Exchange relations firmly under her suzerainty. An entirely sensible approach. One piece of big news from Australia as well. Rick Holiday-Smith, his era chairing exchanges in Australia, is finally coming to an end. He will depart the chairmanship and the board of the Australian Stock Exchange Group on the 21st of April 2021. He'll be succeeded as chairman by the current independent non-executive director, Damien Roach, who is another ex-JP Morgan person, just like Nicholas Aguzin, the new chief executive of Hong Kong Exchanges, and indeed Aguzin's predecessor, Charles Lee. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what can we say about what's happening in big world? Well, we've all heard the incredible Jeff Bezos will be moving up to executive chairman of Amazon from his long-standing CEO role. 
The question of what next for the dynamic e-commerce founder is clearly all the more tricky on the grounds that after a stellar bourgeois to billionaire to richest man in the entire world journey, perceptibly higher offices are either heavily politically contested or require long periods of diligent work in the church. That said, which business-minded house of worship wouldn't like to see Jeff rationalise their ability to reach the flock as they all sought to ensure their Franciscan Prime membership at the top tier of rapid delivery of salvation? Definitely the Anglicans could desperately do with him, but I suspect Jeff would really want to be Pope to get the right scale of believers equivalent to his career to date. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young. Thank you for joining this, the 81st Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. All the news headlines, of course, and all the pith in Exchange Invest Newsletter Daily. Catch up on Tuesday evening in London time for the IPO vid live stream. In the meantime, this is me, Patrick L. Young, wishing you a great week in markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.